Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashians season three premiere recap. It is so good to be back. No, Julie, I'm on cloud nine right now. Like to start off my Thursday morning with Kim Kardashian roller skating to Beyonce. That's how I'm trying to start a day every day. I am giddy, like genuinely am giddy. No, I get it. I feel the exact same way. We've been talking about this season for so long now and for it to be here, it just feels so good. I can't believe we're already on season three. It feels like yesterday we were mourning the end of keeping up with the Kardashians. By the way, like, thank God that shit ended, huh? This is some high budget production. I mean, they got the Beyonce clearance. It doesn't get more high budget than that. I almost feel bad for my former self that was mourning the loss of the E! show because I so badly wish I could have just swooped in and said to that poor girl, I promise you what's coming for you is so much better. I mean, and especially with Scott being back, it's like the final piece of the puzzle was really put into place. And they knew what the fuck they were doing opening with him. The way that I feel about Scott being back is how I felt when the Jonas Brothers got back together. It's like all of those memes are like the Jonas Brothers are back and they have sex. It's like the Kardashians are back and they have Scott. Yes. Yes. Let's make that meme. Okay. You guys know the drill by now. We've obviously outlined this episode scene by scene. We've transcribed most of it. We're about to get into a very detailed breakdown. But before we dive into that, I just want to spend one moment, not only on the intro, but also the fact that Kim was explaining to us the behind the scenes as we were watching it. Because to me, that is the exact type of switch to Hulu shit that I'm talking about. I felt like our fearless leader was taking us into battle. Yes, that is exactly how I thought it was a very centering way to begin the episode. I will say I was shocked Kim didn't make one comment about how off-brand it was for her to be doing that. Like I could have so seen her being, you know what? You guys be on your roller skates. I'm going to be to the side looking pretty. What's so funny about the decision to have Kim break the fourth wall and explain to us all the decisions that went into that intro and why they were doing it. It was one of those moments that I constantly have in watching the show where 
I am torn between whether I love or hate having them as producers on the show. And that was a moment where to be able to see the behind the scenes and Kim's thought process and what she was taking us through and setting the scene for what is going to be, I think, an amazing season. I was like, wow, I'm so glad to have you in that role. And then there are other times where I'm like, I wish they had less of a say. You know what I mean? Yes, obviously, of course. But I guess in my mind, I know that we are so past the point of it even being remotely an option for them to have a reality show and not be executive producers of it that I just know this is the only type of content we are ever going to get. It's really like a take what you can get type of thing because there's no world, no matter what the price tag is, that at this level of their fame, they would ever agree to do something where they did not have the final, final say. You know, so of course I agree with you in theory, but like that ship has so sailed. That that ship's in another fucking country. Oh, it's, it's beyond sales. And I obviously recognize that. It's not even a matter of whether I want them to be doing it or not. It's a matter of whether I'm grateful for certain times that they do it. Because yes. it's, it's a constant, it's a given. There's no way it's not gonna be. But there are those times where it comes through where you're like, well, I love that they are in this role right now. Well, that's interesting, right? Because I guess the baseline is just kind of accepting it. But then the rare times where you're actually overly appreciative of it. Yes, that's certainly a moment. And then when we were having this conversation before we came on about comparing watching a Vanderpump and now the Kardashians premiere, which is a whole other conversation about appointment television and, and the evolution of reality TV. Well, I mean, really what we have here are two reality shows that have entirely made their way into mainstream in a serious way. Obviously, Vanderpump, that's a more recent evolution for the show. I don't think Ariana ever expected that she would be on, you know, Good Morning America talking about Scandal, but here we are. But it's interesting. Of course, it's completely different. But if we do just want to hone in on the conversation of executive producer, talk about a prime example of being the talent and also having producer control and then being the talent and having zero control. And it just goes to show you Kim Kardashian's never getting herself into a Tom Sandoval situation. Oh my God, never. I just, I can't stop thinking about the two comparisons almost from like a thesis on reality TV standpoint. Because you have the Kardashians who, it's not just that they've become mainstream. It's like they've held the market on reality show mainstream. Everything they do in every episode becomes mainstream or has already been mainstream. Now you have Vanderpump coming in where this is kind of the first breakthrough of a reality TV show to become mainstream in this way. It's kind of, you know what it is? It's like when James and Tati became mainstream from YouTube. No one else had done that. And so it's so interesting now not that the Vanderpump drama is necessarily going to last for seasons and seasons and seasons, but it will be interesting if the Kardashians kind of sense that other reality shows could be encroaching on that mainstream space and what they do to kind of keep themselves up in the rank. No, it is a fascinating conversation, but I guess what I would say if I was trying to generalize is that at this point in time where both Vanderpump and Kardashians are, you are not watching Kardashians because you are a diehard fan of reality television. You're watching Kardashians because you have an interest in Kardashians. Meanwhile, if you are somebody that genuinely craves the messiness of reality television, you're tuning into Vanderpump. You're tuning into Summer House. You know, you're more into Housewives at the moment because the Kardashians at this point in time have leaned more into the docu-series of it all. You know, th that same mess, it exists on some level, but because of their level of fame and their control over the show, it will always be more carefully crafted than one of these other more, quote, normal reality shows. And so it is interesting because to me, I don't even really compare the two. Okay, so I don't compare them either and I never have before. 
But I guess the difference is, and this is a perspective that you don't have, is that I'm not a Bravo watcher and specifically not a Vanderpump watcher. And so I've never felt that need to tune into a Bravo show in the way that I felt that need to tune in by myself to this every episode of Vanderpump that has come out since the scandal broke. And I guess the question isn't, are the Kardashians going to need to lean into, you know, the messiness or the reality TV of it all, or, you know, move away from docuseries and make it feel more like, you know, they are an executive producers on this reality show. Like, I don't think that's the question. I guess the question is, do they lean more into the idea of their show being appointment television in the way that Vanderpump was? I don't know. I I do not know the answer to that question because honestly, and I try to view this from the most unbiased perspective I can, even though of course, naturally I can't. Like I was watching the episode and I had the thought to myself, would I care about this if I wasn't a diehard consumer of the Kardashians? And honestly, the answer was probably not. I mean, it's so hard for me to put myself in that position, but like, I don't think a conversation in Chloe's house between her, Scott, and Kim, where they, yeah, allude to Pete, but it's more general, is doing it for your average reality television watcher. You know, like I think it's serving a different, a different need. And I guess I, for one, am so okay with like the more quote boring ones. Oh, I am too. I guess it's the question of does Vanderpump have the power to change that, which would be the the craziest thing of the whole scandal. You know what I mean? Like if it had the power to create a ripple effect, not just for Bravo, but in the entire world of reality television. And then to the Kardashians who have seemingly always been above that idea of whatever every reality show is doing. And what's also interesting is that I kind of say that because the Kim and Courtney drama has the potential to give us that. Like I see that clip on TikTok all the time of when they were physically fighting in Chloe's house. That is still something that people talk about. And I do think that if Kim and Courtney and the fight between them escalated enough that people who didn't normally care were tuning in to see what happened, I wouldn't be shocked. And I say that mainly because in this episode, it seems like Courtney came in almost swinging to lay that groundwork for what is going to happen because they aren't fighting at this point in the show. And yet, Courtney comes in kind of guns blazing in something that has nothing to do with her drama with the rest of the family to then come in in that scene and say about, you know, Chloe's melanoma, you know, well, the family isn't really there for each other in an emotional way. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait, by the way, forget about that for a second. I know we're going to get to it, but what about in her confessional when she says the exact thing you and I have been saying for literal years now about how, you know, once Kim no longer became the one that they're ganging up on and it kind of turned into Kim and Chloe ganging up on her. I was like, I can't believe I'm hearing you say the very thing that we have spoken about in such depth for so fucking long. I think that if I wasn't a Kardashian watcher, you have to be a Kardashian fan to care, right? But I think that if I wasn't a Kardashian watcher, I think that this drama would get me to tune in. And I have to say, if I was someone who didn't like the Kardashians, now again, this is an impossible perspective to take, but there's a part of me that feels like I would tune in to see the Courtney Kim drama because it almost feels like Courtney is giving life to the negative things that I'm thinking about the Kardashians is not a fan. Like it's giving life to that idea of they are 
so beyond superficial that that's all there is to them. Listen, if I'm someone that's not on board, Courtney saying that is definitely getting me to tune in. As someone who is very much on board, it's getting me to tune in possibly even more. Not because I'm trying to agree with her, just because I'm trying to watch it all unfold. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, so we start off the first scene with Scott, Chloe, and Kim at Chloe's house, which automatically I'm sold. Like that is the exact type of trio I'm trying to start the season with. As a watcher of television and as a watcher of reality TV, the thing you want most in the entire world is to just be heard. Like you want to feel like when you're talking or you're tweeting or you're reviewing, your opinions are not just going into the abyss. And for them to come out strong with Scott in that first scene, trying to open the door to Chloe's house, trying to ring the doorbell, asking Chloe's security guard, does that mean he's poor if he still has a doorknob? Was like, you heard us. I've never felt more fucking heard in my whole life. But also a Scott scene that had nothing to do with Courtney. Like he was not there to vent about his own problems, which by the way, if he ever wants to, of course we're here. But like he was there to just listen and be a comedic relief. And that's all we wanted. That is yes. all we fucking wanted. Yes. I know. <laughs> When they grew hugged, I was like, put me in the middle of that shit right now. I know, I know. Okay, so pretty immediately on is when we get that preview we had gotten in the trailer where in Kim's confessional, she said, let's see, I don't even know where we left off. And the producer says, well, at the end of season two, you were still in a relationship. And she goes, I was? Damn. Okay, I'm single and I'm not ready to mingle and that's okay. And we then flash back to Kim, Chloe, and Scott. And Scott's kind of just asking Kim how she's feeling with her first breakup since being married. And she goes, 
breakups are just like not my thing. I fucking felt that line. Scott's like, are they anyone's thing? Okay, then we get a little bit more insight. I want to go over these lines verbatim, specifically the last one. Kim says, it's just, I'm proud of myself. I mean, we just had talks and talks, like we'd been talking about it. So it was just like both of us communicating really well about it, which by the way, said a whole lot of nothing there. But anyway, Scott asked how long they were together. She says, nine months. It's like a long time. I don't have random hookups in relationships. And he goes, no, this was huge. This was also the first person you dated after you were married for a long time. And Kim says, this is the line I want to talk about. And there was a lot of guilt. He went through a lot because of my relationship. I I want to hear first how you interpreted that line and then I'll tell you mine. So, okay. I didn't interpret that line as being breakup specific. I interpreted that line as Kim being left with a lot of guilt after it ended and having a lot of guilt while they were in it. Okay, so the way that I interpreted it is that 100,000% what you just said could be accurate and it was a more general statement. I viewed it, and of course we all know I have the bias of thinking that I truly do believe to the bottom of my core that she was the one to break up with him, that she was saying there was a lot of guilt surrounding her breaking up with him knowing what he had been through at the hands of Kanye, basically. Yeah, I mean, even as I was saying what my initial thought was in the back of my head, I was saying, A, I know you're gonna say that and B, that could also be what it was, almost like, great, and this is the consolation prize I left him with. I, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, and listen, it could be all of the above. Like, I think that no matter what terms they broke up on for the relationship to end after nine months, and it, it basically, like, he went through all of that for nothing, it, it could still be the case. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, but yes, it could be interpreted that way, definitely. I just think it was her saying it without saying it. Not to say there wasn't a lot of guilt regardless and not to say it wasn't a mutual decision because I kind of think in a lot of ways it it almost was. But I felt like her saying that was very strategic him of without point blank saying I broke up with him because she was not going to say that, kind of alluding to that in a way that still felt very respectful of the situation. Again, I know I'm coming at it with my bias, but that's just how I felt. I'm curious if other people felt that way. I will say what it didn't do, which was leave me with the impression that that was the reason for the breakup. No, I don't think it was the reason for the breakup, but I certainly think it exacerbated the situation. I think so too. Do you think that this is the extent that she's going to talk about the Pete stuff? It's not that he'll never come up again, but whatever you got here and whatever you took from this conversation is the extent of what you're going to take from any further conversations. She then says in her confessional, I go back and forth in my feelings sometimes like, oh, who's ever going to want to date me? I have four kids. I'm in my forties. Like, oh, who's going to want to deal with the drums? My person will be like, fuck all of that. Like, it's going to be hard, but we're going to be together and we're going to do this. So I'm just waiting for that person. It's a moment where it's like, I, by no means, am trying to invalidate what you are saying. And I do think a lot of people would have a very hard time signing up for that life. However, you do remember your Kim Kardashian, right? Yeah, she does. I mean, again, I guess that's the question of like, when you're searching for someone to be your life partner, like she's really looking for a person here. Is being Kim Kardashian a hindrance to that? Because there are only so many people that are going to want to really take on this lifestyle. And that's one of the things they've always said. Everyone thinks they can do it. Everyone thinks they're prepared for all of the perks that come with it. And no one is really prepared for the toll that it takes on them. And I guess they've seen time and time again, people come in and out and in and out. And I guess the question for Kim is really like, 
Is there someone who's going to be in and be able to stay in? And the answer to that question will eventually be yes. I fully believe she will find her person. But no, do I think it is the easiest situation to walk into? Absolutely not. Both from the person's perspective, but also from hers. Like she's not willingly opening up her life in this type of way for someone that she doesn't think, at least in a pretty strong way, there is a potential there. I I don't think. Yeah. So the other conversation they were having here was really about Chloe's journey with surrogacy. And what she's opening up about is that you know, after the baby was born, it did feel a little bit different to her. She wasn't entirely sure how that was going to be. And having this child after not carrying him for nine months, it was a different experience. And she says in her confessional, I definitely buried my head in the sand that pregnancy. I didn't digest what was happening. And so I think that when I went to the hospital, I really think it was the first time that it really registered. And that has nothing to do with the baby. It's like, you're like, okay, we're having a baby and this is my son and I'm taking him home with me. And I definitely was in a state of shock. I think for my entire experience in general, I felt really guilty that this woman just had my baby and then I take the baby and I go into another room and you're sort of separated. I felt like it's such a transactional experience because it's not about him. I wish someone was honest about surrogacy and the difference of it, but it doesn't mean it's bad or good. It's still great. It's just very different. I have to tell you, I am not someone who's had experience with pregnancy or surrogacy, but if I was... I think that I would be so appreciative of how honest she was being with this. Because I have to imagine if Chloe is saying this, a lot of other women and a lot of other people that have also been in this exact same situation maybe had similar feelings that either they didn't know how to voice, they couldn't exactly identify, they felt afraid to voice. Like This to me was an example of her transparency probably doing good for a lot of people. Oh, it was an incredibly honest thing to say. And also, I think that there is a lot of women... I think whether you carried your baby yourself, had a surrogate, adopted, whatever it may be, who there's probably so much shame around that feeling of not connecting right away with your baby. Like when Scott says to her, do you feel like you're not connecting? And she just says, yes. It was an incredibly, incredibly honest thing to say. And I think it's something that people who have had children probably have felt and have never felt, you know, the comfort in being able to express that. And I'm sure there's a lot of shame around that. I'm sure there's a huge lack of conversation. And I think for Chloe to say this on television was such a raw moment. It was a very, very raw moment. And also, because let us not forget that the only example we've had in the family of surrogacy is Kim, who has been so open about kind of how her experience was the opposite. You know, if you were just hearing it from Kim, it was a walk in the park. Even, you know, a few seasons back when she was kind of coaching Chloe through the process, the entire thing from start to finish seemed a lot more natural, seamless, easy for Kim than it was for Chloe. And so as a Kardashian viewer, that was the only perspective you were getting. And so I do think, I mean, listen, I, I don't wish that this was the experience she's having, but if she is having it, I do think that there's a lot of power in sharing it. Yeah. And I mean, and even think about it from our perspective of two girls in their 20s who aren't pregnant and have never tried to get pregnant. I think that when you're young and you haven't gone through it yet, you have this almost this rose colored glasses mindset of like, oh, when it happens, it happens and it'll just be great and easy. And then you hear more stories and more stories about women who have had a difficult time getting pregnant or have had their own struggles or postpartum. And you realize that like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And so when it does become your time, you don't have this false idea anymore of what it's going to be like. And I think that the shared experience of that is is 
scary to hear and scary to experience, but I think overall so helpful to have all of that information. You know, that's the thought that I had when Courtney was talking about stopping doing IVF, where she says, I froze my eggs. They didn't survive the thawing, a lot of them, and then they didn't make it to embryo. And I think that there's this understanding or this misconception that when you freeze your eggs, that's it. It's the done deal. You've done the thing you need to do. You've bought yourself the time and it's going to be great from here on out. And when your time is ready, it'll just happen. And it doesn't always happen like that. And so to be armed with as much information as possible going into something like that, even when you're not even remotely ready to be at something like that, I think is huge. No, I felt the exact same way. There was something about that level of transparency that I just found to be very, very comforting. Because no, at this point in my life, is that something that I'm directly thinking about? No. But like, am I getting there? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't a little bit terrified. And I just, in general, the willingness to share information, no matter who you are, but specifically when you're someone like this on such a massive scale, I think it's only beneficial. I do. Yeah, me too. There was one other comment in the scene, which I know is minor in the scheme of things, but it's when Kim says to them, you know, I was thinking about it. If Robert doesn't have a son, then the Kardashian name is dead. And Chloe responds by saying, listen, men can have kids for years and years. Like, don't worry. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. And to me, I was just more so wondering, what are these conversations like off camera in the sense of what are they talking about with Rob's dating life, with his potential next partner. You know, like I am so deeply curious about that because the way that Chloe made it sound was as though this is a conversation that has gone on before, not necessarily the concern about carrying on the Kardashian name, but just the more general concern about who Rob is going to end up with. I felt like even the fact that they said Rob's name caught me off guard, let alone the fact that they were having a conversation about him having more kids, him having a son, him potentially dating somebody or ending up with somebody. It was like literally the sheer mention of his name sparked, sparked my attention. Isn't it so wild though, that we've gotten to that place where even just the mention elicits that type of reaction? Yes. And especially because I feel like on TikTok, I've been getting fed a lot of content from when Rob was with Black China. Like I've seen a number of clips that I forgot about. And so it's been a little bit present and top of mind. And then there are times where I'm watching Kardashians For example, Courtney's wedding, when they don't even acknowledge the fact that Rob isn't there. So like to have him mentioned in passing in this scene is like, what's going on? Is he mentioned or is he not mentioned? Well, I mean, let's just call it like it is. If you are somehow turning on the television and this was your first time watching anything remotely Kardashian related, you have no idea who Kim's talking about when she says Robert. It's the only even slight mention of his existence. Well, and also the fact that which is interesting, the fact that Tatum, the baby, uh, looks exactly like Rob, they keep saying. Right. That's what I'm saying. If if I was coming onto this episode knowing nothing and Chloe didn't say to James Corden, yeah, he looks like my brother. She just said he looks like Rob. I would genuinely have no idea who she was talking about. And by the way, that is not a criticism. I think that is exactly the way that Rob wants it. It's just, if you have been watching the show from the beginning and you knew how integral of a part of the show he was for years and years and years, you know, the fact that we've gotten to this point where even the sheer mention of his name is so shocking is kind of a crazy evolution. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, 
Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, next scene, we are with Chris and Kim in Kim's bathroom, which I'll tell you right now, if the trio isn't going to be Chloe, Scott, and Kim, it best be Chris, Kim, and Kim's bathroom. Kim's bathroom is like New York City on Sex and the City. Like Kim's bathroom is the seventh character in the show. When she opened that drawer and you saw the top of the secret deodorant peeking out, I was like, whoa, didn't know it did that. Like in my mind, there is nothing that exists anywhere in that bathroom. And all of a sudden she opened that drawer and there was like stuff. I was like, whoa, you have stuff? What about when she was using the magic sink and we were like, oh, we get to see it in action? (laughs) I know. The way that I feel I just need to like inspect every surface area of that bathroom is such an intense feeling inside of me. No, you know, it was such an important moment for me. Like when Kim's missing, when Chris goes in the house, like, Kim, where are you? Like as a way to show how big the house is. But then we get like such a tiny little mini real estate tour of it. And like, I'm like, no, 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 take longer to find her. Take longer to find her. Like, did you check North's room? Like, did you check the guest room? Like, like, ugh. like when they found her in the bathroom, I was like, first of all, you did that for us because you could have just fucking checked there first, but you didn't. And you didn't have to do that. And we appreciate that. But next time, let's take longer to find her. Yeah. Okay. First of all, one, 100%. Second of all, 
Out of all the spots, I know that Rick Owens chair is gorgeous, but goddamn, that looks like the most uncomfortable thing I have ever seen, especially if I'm Chris to be sitting on that. I don't think her physical therapist would love that for her hip. And third of all, when they were doing you know, the tour of Kim's house, it really does make you understand why North's biggest insult when she gets into a fight with Kim is that her house is so white. Because I was looking around saying, listen, would I throw this house out of bed? Absolutely not, but it could use a little bit of color. I'm obsessed with it. But you do you think that you would want to live? Obviously, you'd want to live there, like technically, of course, the property, everything. But hypothetically, if you could furnish that in whatever way you want, you think that that's how you would want it? Definitely not with kids. I, I think the ability, I don't care how much help you have, for the house to be that spotless with four kids is the, one of the most impressive things to me. I think realistically, realistically, if I was designing my house with an unlimited budget and I could do whatever I want, yes, there would be more color. The way that I feel looking at that house when I see it though, like when Kim talks about the peace that that house brings her and the lack of color being so calming to her in such a chaotic world, like I feel that so deep in my soul. It's so interesting you say that because I really don't. And every time they do shots of her house, of course, you know, my breath is taken away at just how grand it is and how spectacular it is. But I always say to myself when we're in a scene in Chris's house or in Chloe's house, I would so much rather that because to me, I mean, again, like it's impossible to put yourself in this position, but I'm trying to envision if I was in Kim's spot, I understand what she means about wanting to have her home and her spaces be really calming. But I guess to me, I associate calming with like a lack of shit everywhere, not necessarily with the lack of color everywhere. Meaning I think you could still achieve that same amount of peace and serenity while still having a little bit more like creative freedom in the design. We have a lot to get into. We have a lot to get into. So we're going to have to table this conversation, but it is, it is one I'd like to have on maybe a less, um, a less impactful premiere. You realize we're on page two of the outline and we've been recording for 49 minutes. minutes. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we have a three hour episode. We have a three hour episode. (laughs) Because by the way, by the way, we did a full hour on a two minute premiere. Like if we're talking ratios here, we're going to be here all night. I know. I know. I know. Okay. So really getting into this conversation between Kim and Chris, it starts off with Chris asking Kim how her conversation with Dolce & Gabbana went, because as we know, they want her to do this collection, design the whole thing. And Chris is basically saying, you know, you would be the creative director of the whole show and they've never done this. It's a huge honor. And Kim's response is she feels like it's a little soon after Courtney's wedding and she wants to wait a year. And so they kind of go back and forth because Chris starts to say, well, it would be six months after the wedding. Kim is like, eh, it would really be four. They're going back and forth on it. Just a moment of context for us, timeline-wise. Courtney's wedding in Italy was May 22nd, and the Dolce show that Kim ended up creative directing was September 24th. So as we know, it did end up happening. It did end up being four months after the fact. And Chris's argument in this whole thing or her stance is like, listen, it's such a good opportunity. You don't want to pass it up. And by the time that the collection even came out, it would be, let's say nine or so months post-wedding. So we'll obviously dive more into this, but I do just want to say setting it up, it was interesting to see the way that Chris was very much pushing this. You know, To her, that was not even remotely a factor, the Courtney's wedding of it all. Right. And I do wonder if the issues that Courtney and Chris have had in the past will come back in this specific fight in terms of feeling like maybe Chris took Kim's side before anything even happened. But it it was interesting to see the way that Kim had already anticipated what Courtney's reaction could be. Because like you and I said, when we were first discussing it, when we saw 
Kim post about Dolce and we saw the campaign, Courtney's wedding didn't pop into our head in the capacity that it clearly popped into Courtney's. But I guess for Kim, Kim is already anticipating that Courtney is going to be upset in a way where Chris is saying, this is too big of an opportunity. It's after the fact and it has nothing to do with it. So like our reaction was on par with what Chris had thought. Kim's reaction was on par with what Courtney had thought. Right. And obviously, you know, which we will hold off on this until that episode really comes to it and we can dive in deep. But as I said to you a few weeks ago, when I was like, if I'm going to be my most honest and you ask me from what we've seen, which side of history am I like leaning to? It's the fact that (laughs) Kim's getting this Dolce deal with or without Courtney's wedding. And frankly, Courtney's Dolce wedding isn't probably happening if Kim never existed in the first place. So like, you know... (laughs) The way that I feel about this fight, I know, I know. It's like the way that I feel about this fight. And again, I hate talking about this so much before we get into it, because if you would have asked me going into Summer House, if I was going to be team Lindsay or team Danielle, I would have said team Danielle. And now look where we are. But like, there is just no world in which this current moment, you know, May 25th at 9, 17 PM, that I could envision myself walking away from this fight being more on Courtney's side. Again, let me be proven wrong, but I just, I am... It's definitely leaning more towards Chris on this one. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, Kim in her confessional says, my mom's known Dolce & Gabbana for a long time and they always were asking me even before the wedding, can we do a book? But Courtney and Travis just worked with Dolce and that was the whole vibe of her wedding. But then after the wedding, I got a call saying they wanted me to creative direct their fashion show in Milan. I think it's such a good opportunity that I don't want to pass this up. And, you know, again, we will see how that plays out. Chris obviously tells Kim that she thinks she should talk to Courtney, but... We'll put a pin in that for the moment because I know when that episode does air, I mean, talk about talk about a time we will not be able to shut the fuck up. Talk about appointment television. Yeah. So then Kim Sarais is kind of the catalyst for this next conversation when she starts putting the cream on her legs because she's having a flare up. And Chris is saying, yeah, it's because you're so stressed out. And Kim responds, well, tell the father of my children to stop acting up and then I won't stress out and get psoriasis. I just want to say, because the scene came early on, when she first said this, I was like, oh shit, my theory was correct. Like they are not going to ever name Connie by name. It will be the father of my children, Kim's ex. That was short-lived because then the next scene when she's talking to Chris, like she fully says Kanye. But I did have a moment here where I was like, oh wow, they are really going to stick with that. I know. I, I And then I was shocked when they said his name. I I don't know why, Julie. I felt so strongly that they weren't going to. And we'll see. Maybe the rest of the family won't really say it. I don't know. It was just... Definitely killed my theory, but hey. Okay, so then in her confessional, she says, last season, I feel like everything was so great professionally and personally. You know, things change really quickly, but that's where my family comes in because without them, I don't know what I would do. Were you confused that she said this? In the sense of like, it wasn't so great last season? Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference is that she had Pete. So I guess that's where the personally is coming in. But last season, the Kanye plot lines were him going really hard against Pete, kind of making their relationship a nightmare, and then also saying things against Kim herself. Like, don't forget about Kim being, I believe, in Milan for Fashion Week and Kanye texting her about how terrible she looks and how, you know, she can't dress without him. I was so caught off guard by her saying that because it almost seemed like all of this stuff with Kanye was brand new and nothing had happened prior. Well, I think in her eyes, I mean, listen, Of course, there is a part to her, whether or not she knows it, that has become completely desensitized to what he had put her through. And I think what was happening in this current moment for her was the worst of it all. Like this was the time when 
he was posting her texts. I mean, if we want to go just timeline-wise for a second, when he started posting those texts from her, that was September 2nd. And so, you know, I I just think it was a a totally different situation. And what's sad is that it only gets worse from there. Oh my God, we are in for it. Like, I don't know the extent that we're going to get it, but actually I should take that back because these scenes did let me feel like we'd be let in maybe more than I thought. Yes. Yes, especially the last scene with Chris, which I cannot wait to get into. Okay, so in this scene with Kim and Chris where they're in the bathroom, Kim's saying to her, you know, I just feel like this is the time where I want to stay single because I fall quickly, but I don't want to. And they go back and forth basically trying to get to the bottom of, can Kim really be alone? And I think she's so taken aback when Chris says that, but Chris is like, listen, you're always in a relationship. If you're not in a relationship, you are always with your friends. You're always you know, having people around. And I just think it's an interesting perspective that Chris has, because that is so not the way that Kim sees it. Chris was talking more generally from like the, can you sit alone with yourself? Kim was talking about being in a relationship, which even when she says, yeah, I love being alone, Kim really means for like the hour that she gets in the car after she drops the kids off from school. Like she views that alone time as like a reward and and something that she's constantly searching for to have just a moment of, but she doesn't realize that she's ever had to sit in that like aloneness before. Although it is then also a conversation of like, yeah, there were so many years where Kanye wasn't there, where Kanye went to Wyoming and was going to live there. And she had kind of reconciled in her head that like, that's how their marriage was going to be. So maybe she really does feel like she can be alone. Well, I think it's both, you know, in the sense of like, I don't necessarily agree with Chris. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, why the fuck do I know better than her mom? But I don't but think does it's your like, body also reject that a little? You're like, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but I can't. Yeah, 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 it does. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It does. I guess my view of it is like, I think that Kim certainly can be alone in terms of like physically being alone. I don't think she constantly has to be surrounded. I think she is constantly surrounded, but I think she has no problem in the moments that she's alone. I actually think in terms of a relationship, yes, at this point in her life, she would rather be alone than be with someone that she's not entirely fulfilled by. However, what you were saying about Kanye, if anything, I think propelled her more to a reality where she wants someone to be around. Because even before shit got really bad for those last few years, it wasn't a marriage in the sense that she wanted it. You know, They weren't spending that type of time together. It makes complete sense that the most mundane activities with Pete were so exciting to her because she didn't have that for so long. So I think both can be true. She has no problem being alone. However, she would really like to have someone in her life that is her consistent partner in more ways than one. And I hope she finds that for her sake and our sake. She's going to find it. There's no world in which she does. It's not going to be Tom Brady, I'll tell you that much, but she's going to find it. No, not that slice of white bread. (laughs) Okay, getting into a scene really just filled with levity. There's not a hell of a lot to recap here, but it just felt so good to have Kendall and Kylie back on our screens, the dynamic duo that we know them to be. And really, forget about the dynamic duo, just seeing this side of Kylie because she really is at the core of it just so fun. Let Kylie get high with us on the couch just one time. She'll never want to leave. Never, right? Let let us smoke a full pack of fucking selfies on that couch where you really just leave an imprint when you get up and like, she had the time of her life, no? No, I know. I, I just, I love the scene. Like I am so fully aware of the fact that Kendall teaching Kylie how to drive stick is like <laughs> the bare minimum of what they can give us compared to what everybody else gives us. But <laughs> 
something about Kylie's personality that it does not matter to me what she's doing. It could be the most mundane activity. I am just happy to see her on my screen. It's exactly how I felt in that scene where she went grocery shopping with Chris. I was like, I could watch hours and hours and hours of this. I also think Kylie's kind of done this thing where, and if I really analyze it, goddamn, we sound like such fucking like pawns in her game, but I'm, I'm so down to be a pawn of like, she has given us on the show recently so little that any bit of her feels exciting. No, I know. And that impresses me because I think she does that better than anybody else in the family. I don't think that there is anyone else in the family where maybe Chris Jenner, but it, it's usually Chris Jenner with a martini in her hand, but still like where they can just exist and a scene with them is still a gift. I mean, it's different, but like, it's a little Scott energy. It's yes. 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 Different, different though. I mean, it, listen, if we're really ranking it. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Kylie can be by herself in a scene and entertain us to no end. Case in point, the confessional at the 818 party where she's going through each member of the family and describing what they're like drunk. I could have listened to her list a million things about them. Scott does well in a scene with at least just one other person because he is his funniest when he is feeding off of somebody else or giving these quick one-liners in response. Actually, he does best in a scene where three, where it's three people, where one person is talking and he's doing like a James and Lala off to the side thing. Yes, yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I can now I tell as well. You just dropped that. Todd, you are like a Vanderpump watcher. I love this for us. I really, I, I didn't know if it was possible, but I think it's bringing us closer. <laughs> no, then I have to stop. That's a scary <laughs> thought. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, not as, as you, as I see you wrote on the outline, nothing notable, just adorable watching them. That's exactly how I felt. By the way, I just want to say, I too have been in Kylie's position of trying to learn to drive stick shift. Kendall was not my teacher, it was my dad. And I was in awe of her commonness. I know obviously it's like, she doesn't care if she crashes the car. Realistically, she can just buy a new one. But still, if you've never done it, the first time is very scary. And there was no fucking way that I was leaving my one street. So the fact that she was just going through the streets of Beverly Hills was very admirable to me. I'm not even gonna lie. If I had one wish in the whole world, one single wish, it would be a scene of your dad teaching Kylie to drive <laughs> Me too. We, no. no, 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 no. How do we make that happen? How do we make that happen? She cannot take him to In and Out. No, no, she cannot. I'll tell you one thing. If he was the passenger seat when Kendall was driving down the middle of the yellow line, he would be saying, You're all over the fucking place. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't. This is too much for me. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. The wait is over. 
That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Okay, moving into the 818 party, which nothing crazy here, but a really good scene to view from like a bird's eye perspective because we got to see everyone kind of in their natural habitat. That's how I felt. Nothing is funnier to me than the fact that they didn't really show anybody else who was there at that party except for Phi off in the corner and like a little bit across the table and James Corden, the main event. Of course, the other takeaway from this party was we see Chris filling in Kylie on what's been going on with Chloe and the melanoma that was on her face. We then see Kylie talking to Chloe about it. And you know, again, they haven't fully gotten into it here. And I'm sure as the season progresses, we will get more into it. But clearly it was far more serious than she or any of them had anticipated. And I think it's terrifying, you know, specifically when it's on your face. Yeah. I mean, it, it really rocked them, I think, understandably. And also we're kind of watching this unfold in real time where there's still, yes, we know that what happened, we know from, from Chloe's posting after the fact, we know everything is okay now, but we're watching them waiting for the biopsy results to come back. Like that is one of the most stressful anxiety producing times you can have. And so we're really in it with them here. Yeah. And it felt like we were, which I want to get into when we're going into the next scene where Chloe's at Courtney's house, because one of the things that Courtney says is, you know, Chloe doesn't typically share her problems with, with anyone. You know, she never wants to be a burden. And I was really thinking about that as we were watching her navigate this journey of like, if it wasn't something that was on her face that she literally couldn't hide from them, it's probably not something she would have shared immediately, you know? Well, what's interesting is, I have so much to say about Courtney, but what's interesting is when it cuts to Courtney in the confessional, she is talking, A, because she's not at the 818 party. Everyone else giving their opinions during this time or talking about it is talking about it as they're finding out about it, as Chris is pulling Kylie to the side and saying something. Courtney is the only one not at this 818 party. So it then cuts to her in confessional talking about it. And one of the things that she says is, you know, we don't really know how to be sad together. We don't know how to grieve together. And I'm not going to give my opinion on that just yet because I want to give it when we go into the next scene. But I do think that all of this that Courtney is saying about her passing judgment on how they are there for each other and in what capacity is so ironic coming from a scene where the entire family is there to support Kendall and she's the only one not there. Well, I mean, let's really get into the scene. You know, I'm down for a James Corden interaction over pasta as much as the next guy, but let's really get into the core of it, which is Chloe and Courtney's. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. 
Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T H E O U A I dot com promo code CELEBS. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I obviously understand that there was a certain urgency associated with Courtney ovulating, and that's the reason that her and Travis had to excuse themselves from the room with Chloe in order to have sex. However, just at face value, it was almost as though this scene was them like doing a parody of themselves. Like here, Chloe walks in and she's in the skeleton onesie sitting on his lap, removing herself from the situation so they could quickly have sex before coming back. I thought it was Benny Drama for a second acting it out. Like... That's what I'm saying. Like, I totally got it. I, I understand how precious that ovulation time is. It was just like, ain't no way you are giving the TikTok comedians exactly what they want. I know. So Chloe gets there. She sets the timer, which those are the moments where I'm like, okay, this feels like OG Kardashians. You know, Chloe's sitting there with her iPhone timer out, seeing if Courtney is really going to have sex for only five minutes. There are glimpses of when it's Chloe and Courtney and you see their dynamic come through in a way that does feel a little OG. But my takeaway from the conversation between Courtney and Chloe is that I think Courtney thinks that that exists in a way that it doesn't. I think at the core of it, it obviously still exists, of course. But in terms of like, if you were basing it off how much time they actually spend together or what their activities look like, yeah, one could make the assertion that Courtney is making those statements based on a relationship that existed in the past, which I think either one of them would say it still very much exists. Like they are that to one another, but in a totally different way. I feel like from our perspective as the viewer, at least it exists more as a feeling and something that's like cemented within them than something that has continued to build upon based on new experiences that they're having together. Yes, that's exactly it. Do you think that that's fair? I think that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, I know it sounds like ridiculous here. She is explaining her dynamic with her sister, like who the actual fuck are we to challenge that? I'm not challenging it. I'm just saying that to me, it feels less current experience-based, more memory-based. That's that's exactly what that's, I was trying to put my finger on it. And yeah, that's how I feel too. I mean, but by the way, like who am I to say you're exactly right? What version of... Courtney's reality is correct. Like it's her reality. I did feel like the entire time she was talking, I felt like we are existing in two different realities. And I felt like Chloe was in ours and not in hers. I'm not even gonna lie to you, same. I, I can't even, I can't even pretend like I didn't feel that way because I did. 
Well, okay. Let, let's get into the quotes and the back and forth between them because then I really want to expand upon that. Okay, I do just want to say before that comes Courtney's confessional when she's talking about their decision to stop IVF and kind of just the toll it took on her emotionally and physically. I know we talked about it earlier, but I just want to acknowledge it again. Because like you said, I have a lot of respect for her for opening up about it in that way. Even as someone who's not at that phase in my life, I still felt a strange sense of comfort by hearing her talk about the experience so honestly. So I do just want to commend that because I think that it's important. But okay, in terms of the conversation you were talking about, Courtney asks Chloe, you know, how she's dealing with the melanoma. And Chloe's like, you know, it's scary, but I just never want to feel like a burden. And in Courtney's confessional, she's saying that Chloe definitely keeps her problems to herself. And she says that she specifically feels like she probably doesn't feel that comfortable being vulnerable with everything that she's been through. And this is when Courtney says to Chloe, I was thinking about how in our family, we're so good at like celebrating and having fun. We're also good at lifting each other up when we're in a crisis, but in almost a superficial way. Like, I don't think we know how to be there for each other on a deeper level. Chloe says, what? Courtney says, do you? Chloe says, well, I think I do. And in her confessional, Chloe says, when there's something pretty traumatic or devastating in the family, I feel like we're all by that person's side. That's my experience. And if court doesn't feel that way, then I feel badly for her. But I could easily say, yeah, like how you didn't check in on me about the baby or whatever. It's just, she's in her love bubble. Okay. Holy shit. I'm sorry. We, we have to stop there before even getting into the rest of the scene. When Chloe said, and I saw this in the preview. So I, I will say I went into the episode seeing this quote, as I think most of us did. But when Chloe says that Courtney didn't check in on her about the baby, and listen, I'm sure that's not like she never once checked in. I'm sure there was something. It just clearly wasn't up to a place where Chloe felt fully supported or comforted by Courtney. And Chloe very quickly plays it off as if it's not a big deal. And, you know, Courtney's in her love bubble. Something shifted for me when I heard that. Well, it just made it so much more real. And again, not trying to dramatize something that wasn't meant to be dramatized. I know she's not saying it's like she didn't acknowledge the birth of her son. That is not what's being said here. However, even the fact that Chloe felt comfortable enough to make that comment in the confessional, knowing the way that comment would be received, to me, that speaks volumes about what's really going on there. So the thing that I was really taken by, and I wonder if you had this reaction too, was Courtney keeps emphasizing this point of them not being there for each other during the difficult or the sad times or them only being there for each other during those times at a very superficial level and they don't know how to sit with each other in sadness or grief. If you're looking at this from just the plotline perspective, right? Because we don't know really what is going on behind the scenes and there could be stuff going on with Courtney that we're not privy to. And of course, her IVF journey is something that she has mentioned and that is something that you can tell in the way that she's speaking about it has definitely taken a toll on her and is very, very difficult for her. But in terms of Courtney's plot lines that we see, the one that she is emphasizing the most to us, the one that she wants to be her number one main plot is how deliriously happy she is with Travis, this love story, this love bubble that she's in. If you're looking at Chloe's plot, it has completely spanned the spectrum in terms of what she has gone through. The Tristan cheating affair, her being afraid to leave the home, her levels of anxiety being through the roof, her welcoming a baby amidst so much stress and and turmoil. If you look at Kim's plot line, it's her coming off of a recent breakup. It's her going through the fucking ringer with Kanye in a way that is weighing on her in a way that I don't think that we've seen something weigh on Kim like this. And so my reaction to it was, Courtney is going on about these difficult times and how they aren't there for each other in the difficult times. 
but she's talking about the people whose plot lines are the difficult times. Do you know what I mean? I know, no, I know what you mean. And that's why I think Chloe was having a really confused reaction to what she was saying. Because if you saw in the moment, Chloe's response was, I think I do, meaning she was directly responding to, I don't think we know how to be there for each other on a deeper level. Chloe's response is, I think that I know how. She wasn't directly saying, I don't think that you do, or I don't think other members of the family do. Her response, I think, was actually a very non-reactive one. She was just affirming the way that she knows herself to be. And in her confessional is really more so when she let it rip. Again, it was one mild comment in the scheme of things, but the same way that she said, yeah, kind of like how she didn't check in on me, but you know, she's in her love bubble. It's not so dissimilar from when Kim says, I think it's in the preview, I can't even remember now, about like, well, you've just been in your world with Travis. They all clearly feel that way. And I'm sure that will come out in different ways. So yes, if I am Chloe or Kim, I think it is really bold of Courtney to make that statement given the fact that from what we've picked up on from them, and I think that it will only continue. Yeah, they don't feel that she has been overwhelmingly there for them. At the same time, you can't invalidate what she's saying. If that's how she feels, that's how she feels. I just think if I'm them, I think that's really rich of her to be the one to say that. And that's why I was so taken aback by Courtney making these assertions, but also simultaneously being the only one not at Kendall's party, which I know seems like such a minor thing. We have seen time and time again, different members of the family, I would say specifically Kylie and specifically Courtney, not show up for different events. But to me, it's like to have those things existing at the exact same time isn't a great look. And the thing with Courtney is like, Yes, when you watch a show like this, specifically Kardashians, you have the understanding of there is stuff going on behind the scenes that you are not privy to. There's dynamics that exist that you will never understand fully. They are a family. And so that adds another layer. It's easier to you know analyze the way a friend group interacts than the way siblings interact because it is a completely different relationship. However, when you are viewing it in the way that it's being presented to us as a reality TV show... If you're Courtney and you're going to come on and you're going to make these claims about who's there for each other and who's not and who exists in what capacity, then your character, not you as a person, your character has to exist as like rock solid. Like you can't have any cracks in the foundation. You can't make those kinds of claims and then not be that person so blatantly on TV. Julie, that is like prime example of kind of like the difference in the way that I think her and say Kim, for example, approaches the show. In the sense of like, and I actually think a lot of people would really commend Courtney for this, meaning she does not allow fear of potential hypocrisy get in the way of her stating what she feels. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And that's totally fine if that's how she wants to do it. I'm just, I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt and take your word for it if that's the case. If you're asking me to choose, there's no choice. If you are, if you, I don't, I don't want to have to choose, but if you're saying to me, do you align more with Chloe and Kim or do you align more with Courtney about this particular situation? It's Chloe and Kim 100%. But I, it, yeah, God, this is so good. Like we haven't, you guys, we haven't even gotten to it. We are, we are scratching the surface. Well, that was the other thing. I was so shocked for this to be the first episode and for, these comments that Courtney is making about the capacity that they're there for each other as a family to exist without any of the Dolce and Gabbana drama. This is existing on its own. This is what I was saying in the beginning. Like it it felt so reality TV-esque because it almost felt like Courtney was laying the groundwork for what was going to happen. Well, hold on. We have to get into this next part with the confessionals because this is, and I'm reading this one verbatim because I just feel I need to. Courtney says in her confessional, 
Chloe will always be my soulmate after my true soulmate that now I have. I think with Chloe and I, there's no competition. We're just genuinely obsessed with each other. We also, I think, bonded a lot on making fun of Kim. And then when I think that was gone, Kim and Chloe were like vibing. And then I was the one that got ganged up on. And a producer off to the side says, you know, people are saying like, oh, Kim and Chloe are the new Courtney and Chloe. What is Courtney thinking? And Courtney responds, well, Kim could never be as funny as me, obviously. And we would all do anything for each other and, you know, ride for each other till the end. But it's a different thing. See, I don't know what to say to that. Like, I don't know what to say to you, Courtney. Well, first of all, <laughs> the producer didn't need to subtweet us, huh? If you were going to subtweet us, just say us by name. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the shout out. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I did talk about feeling seen as a reality TV viewer. Yeah, that's what people are saying because that's just what it seemed. And he, the thing is, and I said this to you a few weeks ago, I don't. I think it was on the podcast. I don't even know. We talked about this so much, just like walking that I can't remember when these conversations occur. But like, yeah, some shit has gone down, but also the the very genuine thing, which is like, Courtney has just been spending less time with them because of her time with Travis. And that actually leads us into their conversation when Chloe says, you know, you and I aren't doing one-on-one activities. You're always with Trav or your kids, which I get, I would be too. But you know what? I'm not into talking about problems. I'm into talking about solutions. So here's what I feel. You and I have a day together, have a Courtney and Chloe throwback day. Let's pretend we're back in Miami. We don't even have to leave the gates. You know how much fun you and I have together? I don't care where we go. I'll let you pick anything you want. I'm just not going to one of your doctors. Like I want to do something fun. No steam up my vag. I'm not doing a cleanse. And you know, they're just going back and forth about what they would do. But even Chloe saying that to me also emphasizes the previous point about like, there have been less experiences of the two of them in recent times. And I think what Chloe's saying is like, okay, you want to get back to that relationship? The only way it's going to happen, not the only way it's going to happen, but the way that we're going to intensify it is really spending time together. I have so much to say to the point where I actually think that the opinions that I have would be inappropriate to assess another, like another familial dynamic. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I mean, I'm like listening to what Courtney is saying, right? And then everything that's coming out of Chloe's mouth to Courtney that Courtney is not denying in any capacity is like the complete opposite of what Courtney has convinced herself to believe. So like, if I'm Courtney, just fucking come out and say, I am jealous of the relationship that you and Kim have. I don't feel supported by you because I have isolated myself, leaving room for you guys to grow with each other. And our relationship isn't the same. And it's not that we're not all there for each other emotionally. It's that you two are there for each other in a way that I am not anymore and that you aren't for me anymore. (laughs) <laughs> I don't need to be this mad. I don't, I can reset. I don't need to be this mad. No, no, no. You don't have to reset it. I'm not, that wasn't what I was, I was not pausing for that. I, I, we can keep all of this in. I'm just, I was going back to your initial point of like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable giving this strong of opinions on another person's familial dynamic. That's where I'm at too. Like that is fully where I'm at. Cause I'm like, okay, if Chloe and Kim are not having this reaction, there's something genuinely wrong with me if I am. So like, Let's all just take a deep breath. Like, it's not that serious. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm with you. I just want you to know I am with you. But I also think, like, if you, listen, the one thing that Kim and Chloe have not had in recent years, and these are not at all replacements of sibling dynamics, of course, but like, if you're talking about it just from a spending time perspective, they have not had stable relationships with a man in their lives in a very long time. And strictly from a time perspective, when you are dating someone, when you are serious with someone, you are naturally spending a lot of quality time with them, a lot of your nights with them, for example. Chloe and Kim in this current time of their lives have the ability to do that with one another. Courtney doesn't and doesn't want to. And she is so happy to be with Travis and her kids. And that's what's taking up a majority of her time. So I do think like, 
that's the element of it that I guess I feel the most comfortable diving into because it's the least invasive of like what's actually going on under the surface. There's like a very clear A plus B equals C going on here. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just the way that I feel about Courtney is could be summed up of like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you can't exist in this bubble with Travis, have n- no interest in, in your relation, not no relationships. Like, you can't exist in this bubble with Travis and kind of turn off the rest of the world and then expect it to turn on for you when it's convenient for you. It just doesn't work like that. And like, if you don't want to find that balance between everybody else in your life and your relationship, then that's fine. And by the way, not bringing her kids into this. Like I'm no no part of me is making any commentary about her as a parent. That is not what I mean. I just mean from the perspective of the rest of the family, like it can't just exist when it's convenient for you. You have to put in the work too. And like, there's just something about Courtney where I, I'm trying to think of how to explain this in the correct way that doesn't make me sound crazy. Like, I almost find her a little triggering. Like, I know that's so dramatic, but it's like, come on. Well, I think that, you know, and again, this is only from us evaluating what we can see, but I do think that there is a person one can probably compare to in their mind of an experience in their own life where you feel as though the claims that are being made are just completely inaccurate to the way that you view like your role in the relationship. Like I yeah, I agree with you. Triggering is like a super dramatic word for this situation. And that's not actually the word that you are using, but like k- kind of yes, because everyone on some level can equate this to an experience they've had in their own life with someone very close to them who they love very much. I just know that if Courtney was my friend and I was, ex- ex- if I was thrown into this universe, right. And like Courtney was one of my friends or let's not say thrown into this universe. Let's say Courtney was thrown into my universe. Like she was acting in the exact same way in terms of the relationship that she's in and the accusations that she was throwing out at everybody. But like, she was my friend. I know that I would be going on a 10 hour walk with you to vent about her. Right. There would be a lot of fucking voice notes. I know how that situation would play out. And I think everybody kind of feels that way if they were in it. This is not a dynamic that's unique to the Kardashians. No, no. But us getting this dynamic is unique to the Kardashians. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So the next scene is the two of them and Kim is Santa Chris. So I spent my whole morning having an anxiety attack. I felt like I just couldn't breathe all day. You know, when you're just like on the verge of tears, it feels like you're about to cry. It's just how I felt all day. And her confessional, she says, you know, there's been a lot going on with Kanye right now and things are going on in the media, radio shows and interviews. And Kim then says to Chris, even though all of the craziness of everything Kanye says about us, I never comment. I never post. He's made up the most insane narrative about you and the tape. And we stay silent. We stay silent through all of the lies and all of the stuff. And Kim is then saying in her confessional that she kind of feels at this point, everything she texts Kanye, she just assumes it's going to be put on the internet. And she's like, you know, I think that I can handle anything. I just get really heartbroken for my mom that she has to deal with so much from so many different sides coming at her. And it then shows the text on the screen of when Kim sent to Kanye, like, this is from my mom, please stop. Again, as we said, those texts that they showed on the screen, that was from September 2nd, just again, to wrap all of our heads around this timeline. And you know what Chris is basically saying to Kim is like, you can't control anyone. And to see this back and forth, because clearly it's a conversation they have had many times before, it was very upsetting to watch. I found this really, really difficult to watch. Like I felt for Kim in a way that Not that I hadn't previously, because I think you've always been able to imagine what it was like for her to have to go through this with Kanye, but this this was really different. No. The next thing that happened here was, to me, one of the most surprising moments in the history of Kardashians from the lens of, holy shit, I cannot believe they actually said that on camera, even though everyone is talking about it. 
it's after Kim is talking about how, you know, throughout all of it, she's going to stay silent for her kids. And if they're on the way to school and they want to play Kanye's music, she's the first one that's going to play it and sing along, even though she's dying inside. And she then says to Kris Jenner, and the one that was supposed to protect me and still does interviews saying they will be my forever protector is the one that is hurting me the most. He was the one that started a rumor that said I was hooking up with Drake, having an affair. Our whole marriage, he accused me of that publicly. So the person that's supposed to protect me most publicly would accuse me of having an affair throughout our whole marriage. I really can't wrap my head around how he thinks he is a protector. Oh my fucking God. Did you ever, ever think that we would get Kim commenting on that rumor? Like, Julie, if you would have asked me, I would have said 100% never. I was so sure about that. The fact that she brought this up, like my jaw hit the floor. You saw it. I like impulsively stored it on comments. I, I, I actually couldn't believe it. Like, I, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe I'm looking at the transcription of this episode and I still can't fucking believe it. She said it. She, like, what? What? That was crazy for everyone, right? Like, it wasn't just me, you, and Isabel. Like, everybody is in agreement, right? That that is, like, a fucking crazy thing that she said. I have to imagine. I'm sorry. If we're having that reaction, I think other people are as well. If anything, I feel like we expect Kim to talk about things more than a lot of people do. Yes, I have to imagine everyone was losing their minds. Please, if for some reason you weren't, let us know. But actually, more so if you were, let us know. I wonder if she'll comment about, because I don't, this wasn't at this point. This happens later where he also says the rumor about, not the rumor, he makes the accusation about Chris Paul. And I wonder if she'll respond to that in the show in any capacity now that she's already, you know, kind of hit the Drake thing. No, because I think that if we're ranking the two, the Chris Paul one probably has more potential legitimacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, that's fair Although to say. in our dream world, it doesn't. <laughs> I know. In our dream world, it doesn't. I'm just saying if I'm ranking the legitimacy of the two. It's so funny. You and I coming on this podcast, like every week being like, please let Kim and Drake be true. Please let Kim and Drake be true. And then she's like, Kanye started this rumor about me and Drake. And we're like, how dare he say something like that? <laughs> I know. Well, because it fucking every single time we start these like really bold hypotheticals with like, we know this would never happen, has never happened, however. So I feel like, you know, we're allowed. We're not her fucking ex-husband making that accusation. You know what really caught me off guard besides just the Drake thing? I feel like because of the way the public views Kanye for a million and one good valid reasons, I feel like Kim was never able to mourn the person that Kanye was to her in the show. Like it was, it was like she so quickly had to get over the marriage, so quickly had to get over Kanye, and so quickly had to go into like protecting her kids mode or protecting herself mode. This was the first time where I feel like she had a really raw moment about like mourning who Kanye was to her. Like this was supposed to be her protector. And even though it's a, it, it, she's kind of responding to the current claim that he's making in terms of like how much bullshit that is and kind of responding to that text that was like, why wouldn't I post our text? Like, you're my favorite person. Like saying, almost repeating what he has been saying publicly. I still feel like that's how she viewed him over the course of their marriage. Like he was not going to let anything happen to her. He was not going to let anybody penetrate the the power that they had built together. And he was the one that let her down in that way. And I feel like it was the first time where we've heard her acknowledge an element of their relationship that she was missing. Yes, yes, because it was so much more than him just no longer protecting her. He was then the one that was inflicting the pain on her. I mean, talk about like, wow, double homicide. Like, you know what I mean? He's not only taking away the role of being 
protective, he is then also the one that is inflicting the most amount of pain on her. I'm sorry, that is a lot for one person to take. It's a lot. And I feel like also we, because Kanye has not been the Kanye that we knew Kim to be married to for so long, also really quickly took on that role of like, fuck Kanye, fuck Kanye. It's like, you know, it's like when when Chloe talks about Tristan or or has talked about Tristan, she has spoken about going through the process of learning to unlove him. I don't feel like Kim ever spoke about that side of things publicly. So it wasn't something that we had thought about. And I feel like this was the first time where I was like, wow, Kim kind of had to go through that too. Like it wasn't just something that switched for Kim. And all of a sudden one day she woke up and she didn't love Kanye anymore. Like even through all of his bullshit, even though the end of their marriage was not the same Kanye that she had been married to, I still feel like she is going through that process of learning to unlove him. I don't know if in this moment she's going through that process of learning to unlove him because I do kind of think that has passed, but I think it was potentially more of a rushed process than she would have liked in her ideal scenario. You know, like it's almost as though she wasn't given the grace to be able to unlove him on her own terms. Yes, that's what it was. You know, that's kind of what it Mm -hmm. was, which is fucking painful. I mean, yeah, it's like not only do you cause all of this to me, you also then completely took over my grieving process and my inability to mourn you because you were making even my very mourning process so painful. It's very dark. Like it's, it's a really unfortunate thing that she was subject to. And I think in all of this, it's one of the things that I commend her the most for the way that she's handled it. But I thought in this moment when she says to, to Chris, you know, like, I just once want everyone to get their shit together around me so that I can fucking lose it. Like just once let me lose it. Everyone else have your shit together so I can lose it. That line hit me so hard. I can't even tell you. Me too. Me too. Because haven't you felt that she's felt that? And then for her to actually say it. That's why I was having such a reaction to the response to the Jay Shetty episode where you were seeing a lot of people say like, why is Kim acting like she's doing this parenting thing alone? Like she has nannies, she has help. Like when you're a parent and you are helping four young kids navigate a divorce, on top of the fact that the only thing four young kids want from you is your time and your energy and to be there to do the things that, yes, you could hand off to a nanny, but they want mom to do it. Like that is difficult even when you have help. And so I, that was a reaction that I was having when I kept seeing that over and over again. Like, yes, just because she has help doesn't mean that it's not allowed to be difficult or draining on her. I think that the other thing in terms of this one statement she said about like really losing it is that while we see Kanye, one, be removed as her protector, second, be the one to inflict the pain, the third of it is that she herself is the protector for everyone else around her. So while shit hit the fan with her and her protector was gone, she then had to step up in a more serious way than maybe ever before with everything that has gone on in the family to really protect everyone else. So it was like triple really when you think about it in terms of what was going on for her. Right. Now I'm at a corny again. This was so intense. Like this, I don't, this is when they say like, oh yeah, but like to me, this was so real. This was such a real reaction coming from Kim. Oh Yeah. Not saying this conversation wasn't happening because they were, you know, they needed to film it, of course. But like what was coming out of her to me was entirely authentic. Completely. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, Julie, I am not kidding. Like if you said to me, fuck it, let's just record for another hour. I could do it. I would, I would feel bad putting out that long of an episode because like who wants to listen to us talk that long? But like if you wanted to, I could. Don't tempt me because I can. I know. I know. Okay. Let's put a pin in this. We obviously will have so much to get into next week in Kim's confessional at the end when she's like, you know, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's talk about something else. And the producer says, 
what's making you cry? And she responds, everything. To me, I'm like, okay, yes, I agree with you. Let's take a momentary mental health break, but like, we're going to unpack this at a later date, aka hopefully next week. I'll see you there, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Oy, okay. Well, we love you guys. We are back and could not be happier to be here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thanks for watching Kardashians along with us. Like, what a time to be alive. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.